0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. I'm your host, Brendan Tobin, here taking you through the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts, and boxing, uh, we will get into a lot of UFC coming up later on today's program as had a, a fun car last night. Some good local talent was on showcase. Uh, we'll get into some of that. And of course, we got a big pay-per-view to preview next week as well. Tonight, this is a, an, uh, an interesting one. We don't typically have a show where we uh, can preview a fight night, but we have ourselves a fight night here in Miami with uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. taking on Logan Paul in an eight-round exhibition up the road at Hard Rock Stadium, very much looking forward uh, to just seeing the event. You, know, myself, my co-host Leroy Horde, we're both going uh, to check this out. Um, for those who listen to uh, to this program, you know I do the show every Sunday, uh, every weekday with Leroy Horde. So we're heading on to uh, to see what the spectacle is like. Busy fight month here in Miami for sure. And yeah, I'm kind of just looking forward to seeing how the event all unfolds. We're going to talk to Al Bernstein later on today's program, the uh, legendary Showtime boxing analyst. He will uh, give us his thoughts on the event as well. And uh, looking forward to our our conversation with Al. But as far as what this week was like, I did not make it to weigh-ins on uh, on Saturday night. I did not make it down there. It was my niece's first birthday. Um but I had been down to Logan Paul's workout. I had been down to the double media day. And I, I mean, it just feels like the circus is in town, to be honest with you. It's, it's a lot of people in town. It's interesting that, uh, you know, we get the reputation for being the, uh, you know, the city that's kind of like loose right now. And and, and obviously, uh, loose is with the pandemic, which is why we've gotten uh, so many big events down here. But I tell you what, man, it doesn't look like people mind uh being down here and uh and enjoying the festivities for sure. So uh yeah, man, it, it, it's uh I'll say this. Like, look, I uh I, I was talking about this on Friday with uh actually Joe Zagaki who was in for Hawk and Crowder. I, I think that, you know, the Paul brothers, and we've talked about this many times on this show, they they are as fantastic as build, at, at building up hype as anybody that's in the boxing business right now. Um, I think that they have a devoted fan base that they know how to uh, convince they have a shot. Um, and I think that Logan Paul, you know, who I have seen box before, I, I was interested. Honestly, it was funny. The whole Logan Paul thing I got interested in because Shannon the Cannon Briggs, my guy, was uh, was training him. And uh, I was like, oh, well, what's this? This whole uh, this whole YouTube boxing thing because he was in it from the start, the jump, Shannon was. And so I'm always kind of following what's going on in his career. And, you know, it, I didn't have any idea who KSI was. I, I didn't really know who Logan Paul was, any of this type of stuff. And to see how it's taken off has been uh been pretty crazy. Um, now Logan hasn't fought much. He he is uh he's not like Jake. Like Jake, I've been to, uh, I I went to his uh, N.E. and Gibb fight down uh, during Super Bowl week where he was on the Demetrius Andrade card, and everybody nobody came nobody stayed to watch the the middleweight champion of the world. Everybody was there to kind of watch. Jake Paul, and and then we know what happened with the Nate Robinson thing. That's kind of the thing that really put him on the map because, you know, turned Nate Robinson into a meme. And then the the, the Ben Askren thing, you know, lended a little bit of credibility having a combat fighter to his name. Logan doesn't really have any of that. You know, he doesn't have any real uh, fight credibility or buildup, you know. The the interesting thing about it is he's going in here and he's taking on the best boxer in the planet, In in a weird way with Jake, like they're almost honing his prize fighting to build up to something pretty, I guess, even bigger than whatever it is right now. Like they've gone from athlete to combat athlete who can't punch to now he's taking on Tyron Woodley, who obviously has uh, has a bomb for a right hand. And it's almost like some kind of a slow buildup like you would with an amateur fighter or, or, or a fighter trying to build his uh, his career. Obviously not taking on boxers, but this is uh, on a much higher, higher profile stage. So with Logan, he's gone from taking on KSI to where he fought to a loss. And I remember that fight. He got him with the uppercut. He ended up getting two points taken away for um for uh hitting uh his opponent while he was while he was down. It was it was a it was a little bit iffy, but you know, just didn't wasn't wowed by the guy's uh boxing skill. He doesn't have the moments like his brother has. And I've said always with Jake, I've said like I don't know what this is gonna turn into, but I will say, like, he's face planted two opponents. And, uh, you got to give him that whoever he's gotten into the ring there with. Cause a lot of guys, we do these celebrity things. I mean, they're just super ugly. Um, and you know, he was able to put some punches together, uh, pick his spots and, and, and make it go really well for himself. All this being said, um, I don't think this is going to be good for Logan ball. I actually am. I, I, it, it was, it was at the workout this week for the media week. I, uh, he, I I saw Logan work out, and I'm like, he, he starts talking about the heat and how hot it is in the gym. And I was like, all right, that's a little bit of an odd thing to reveal when you're going to be fighting outdoors in Miami. And then, you know, does the ropes, does, does his jump rope, looks fantastic. Does his shadow boxing, looks fine. Uh, then at the Fifth Street Gym, they have this giant, giant heavy bag and you know you hit those heavy bags especially ones that are a little bit bigger I mean your arms they get tired I mean you know when you hit something that uh, you're trying to move that's that's heavier and you hit it a bunch of times it does uh, it does blow your arms out a little bit especially if you go for broke which he did you know again he looked uh, he looked fine through his three rounds of heavy bag work but then like really went all out and then looked really really tired like really really tired and it's not that he wasn't working hard in the workout he was so I get it but it all just kind of led me to believe like I don't know if this guy is because I don't know if this guy is gonna one I don't think he has the boxing skill set to hurt Floyd Mayweather because this is all looked upon as hey he has a chance to catch uh, a small guy with one shot to put him down that's the only way he has a chance to beat him, right? That's kind of like the only art. It's the same thing we talked about with Connor McGregor, except you're kind of you're 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 dialing back the skill, but you're upping you're upping the uh the size and status. And you know, one of the things we saw with Connor with that is that he uh he looked good in the first round, he looked crisp, he looked uh he looked bouncy, he looked loose, but eventually got a little bit flustered by Floyd's pressure, got uh, a little bit weary. None of his shots looked like they really had steam after the second round and that's kind of all she wrote. This is a shorter fight, so maybe Floyd feels like he has, a, has to get to work a little bit quicker. Um, but I just don't think that Logan Paul's got the got the uh the tools to really go in there and hit Floyd Mayweather. Um, he looks strong as hell. He's a good he, he's uh he's a, in in good physical shape. Is he in good physical condition enough to go beat Floyd Mayweather in an 8-round fight? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and I think that it's gonna get to a point where after a couple of rounds, he's gonna be so I think, uh, flustered that that Floyd's going to uh Floyd's going to end up picking him apart and and probably hit his body a bunch of times and hit him upside the head a couple of times. Will he do it enough to actually get a referee to step in between and stop the fight? I don't know. I I think so. I, I would guess so. And uh We'll see what happens. I'm really not expecting much from an entertainment factor from this fight. I think that the, the pomp and circumstance of it all, the freak show of it all, is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun spectacle. I think we're, we're, we're the right city to, to to host this this type of thing. Um, but I, I don't think this is going to turn out to be uh, very entertaining. Now, I will say, the Jake Paul, Tyron, Willie thing that was announced this week I'm very much into that. I think that's going to be fun because we've seen that Jake Paul, he's got knockout power against certain guys. We know that Tyron Woodley hits like a Mack truck. Jake is bigger than him. He's actually taking on somebody who has some heat coming back to him, which I think is what makes this intriguing. These guys are going to talk a really great game. They did at the the media day. And I'm intrigued by it. I think it's fun. I think I think Showtime's going to have a home run with this one. I really, really do. And you know, we'll see where this all leads. We, uh, you know, the freak show thing is uh, is uh, is kind of taking over everywhere. You know, it was announced this week that on the Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis card, they've added uh, the real Tarzan, uh, aka Mike Holston, who is uh, got a very famous instagram account and uh you know it's kind of like the uh the social media steve Irwin, if you will if I had him in studio I had him on before you like he really blew up back in the day but he is uh really close friends with tyrone spong who's a friend of this program and tyrone he's been working out at, at, at sanford mma and he ends up announced this week that he's gonna be taking on vitor belfort which is crazy he's gonna be taking him on in a boxing match and I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into seeing, you know, what this kid has learned. I'm into him taking on a guy who's an absolute MMA legend. Obviously, we'll pick Vitor to win that fight. But uh, kind of similar to what I've said earlier this week. is like, you know, we haven't seen Vitor Belfort look very good in a combat sports setting in a very, very long time. So I'm curious to see uh, see what that looks like. This is going to be uh, the, the kind of wave of the combat world, it feels like, because... Honestly, there's a lot of money in it. You know, Tyron Woodley has said he's making more money in this than he has for any UFC fight, so that's a big deal for him. Um, there's an element. Look, man, this is going on a little place. I was getting a, I I got an email this week about, you know, covering something at Hard Rock Stadium the next week for uh, Bryce Hall against, I think, Austin McBroom, I think, is the name, and that's supposed to be next week at Hard Rock Stadium. Now, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to do uh, and I know these guys are tremendously popular. Like, I've looked at their subscriber base. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to do a uh, a fight between social media guys at the same venue uh, a week after Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul. I think that they actually probably picked this before uh, the Logan Paul-Floyd Mayweather fight. But this is what it is, man. Like, people are people are into watching people fight. I think it's also a little bit, you know, like a Barstool did a little bit of this with their, their rough and rowdy thing, which was... Uh, pretty successful for them, too, of just seeing dudes fight. And now you're adding a, a bit of a uh, a freak show to it because you, you get some credibility lent to it when you have a Floyd Mayweather or you have a former UFC champion that lend their name to this type of stuff. And, uh, you know, we see what happens. But ultimately, look, I just think that uh, the, if, if you have anything that, that, that comes out of these that are, are good – one, it's good to see a guy like Tyron Woodley make a lot of money at, at this point in his career where it looked like he was in a pretty, you know, dire professional spot, you know? And and now he gets to to have this payday. And if he beats Jake, probably get another one. Um, and then for a guy like Floyd, who you didn't you don't think needs the money, but has this opportunity to in a weird way get an appreciation for his skill set that probably was underappreciated during his career. I do think that some of this came with the, with the, with the McGregor thing too. And his McGregor fight was honestly one of the more entertaining fights that he's had. Cause we saw in a very, a very aggressive Floyd Mayweather not the, you know, the guy who would uh, frustrate people and make a miss and fight on his back foot. And, you know, really uh, use his defensive prowess to win fights. He was an aggressive fighter. I think we're going to see some of that in this fight too. I think uh, you know, once he thinks that Logan's kind of uh, tapped himself out, that he's going to go forward and 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 really try and pick him apart. But I, I just you know, there there's always going to be that what if because you have guys in a ring with uh with with gloves on, but. You know, to me, it's like a what-if, you know, Zaslow su- suited up for the heat and hit a half-court shot at the buzzer. Like, that's the odds to me of this happening, of, of Logan Paul connecting with a shot that will knock Floyd Mayweather out cold. I just don't see it happening. Um, if it does, I mean, look, he's right. The, Logan Paul will probably be right. The The world will stop on his access And... uh it will be detrimental to Floyd's uh, to Floyd's career for sure. It definitely, definitely will. So, but it just, you know, it feels like you're. It, it feels like you're saying, "What if I hit Powerball tonight? You know, what if I find the Chupacabra in my in my in my backyard? You know, what if my cat starts talking to me? You know, like these are. It, it, it sounds like oh, there's a chance it could happen, but it really, like it, there really isn't and we'll see what the spectacle's like. We'll see what the spectacle's like. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, some other boxing stuff, too, as well, with the great Al Bernstein. He is on the call tonight for Showtime. He is an absolute broadcasting and boxing legend. So looking forward to our conversation here with Showtime's Al Bernstein. That's next. Welcome back. It's one's Fight Show here on 7 I of the Ticket, everybody, as we got a fight night down here in Miami. Got a chance this week to speak with Showtime Boxing Analyst, the absolute legend Al Bernstein. We spoke about a Showtime, which has the Kings documentary uh, debuting tonight before the pay-per-view card. So we talked to him about that. We get a little preview, get his thoughts on uh, the Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul bout, which is coming up tonight. And, of course, uh, little thoughts on him, on Manny Pacquiao stepping back into the ring and taking out Errol Spence. Here is our conversation with the great Al Bernstein. Very excited to talk to our next guest, an absolute legend in the boxing game. He's going to be down here soon because we got ourselves a, a big fight week, a crazy event with Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul. But before that, they also uh, Showtime is going to be debuting their four-part documentary series, The Kings, which is it's, it's, uh, sounds like a really awesome piece, but it's going to highlight Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, Al Bernstein, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it
2: happy to be with you this is fun
1: yeah thank you for doing this uh how excited are you about uh this piece that's coming out i mean we i know we just had the unfortunate passing of of marvin hagler so it, it is well time that people are going to you know a new audience is going to get a chance to to see their story and and these guys tied into each other but how excited are you about this this piece coming out
2: yeah i you know i just returned from the uh the memorial for marvin hagler Uh, down over in Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, It was a wonderful event. I participated in the program, and Tommy Hearns came there, which was lovely, and Ray Leonard sent his message uh, via video. And that kind of, you know, has me even more uh, interested in uh, seeing this documentary, and I viewed the the, the, the four part documentary that, as you mentioned, is starting on June 6. It's really a, a very good uh, piece of work, and uh, you know, for those people that lived through the uh, uh, four kings in the 1980s, and uh, uh, and I, of course, was intricately involved with it. I called a number of the fights involving those men. Uh, it'll be a great reminder of how great these champions are and for younger audiences who maybe only have heard about them or occasionally looked at a youtube version of one of their fights this will be a real uh, revelation for them because they'll really get to learn about these four men uh the struggles they had in in terms to achieve greatness the great moments of exaltation and some of the moments for each of them uh you know of difficulty which every athlete and every person is going to have so it's, it's pretty remarkable
1: yeah i mean i've always been a boxing fan my dad had me watching you know the fights when i you know when i was a kid but he always tells me he's like for you know a person my age who watched this sport you don't understand what a big deal this was to everybody. Like everybody had their guys. It was the talk of of sports. And so look, a a monster fight can still captivate the country, but could could you, I guess uh, maybe just paint Like how big was the idea in, 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 in the pinnacle of like where everything stands in sports back then, what it meant for these guys to fight each other, like, you know, bigger than, you know, today it's the NFL, everything's NFL, NFL, NFL. And, Back then, like boxing was 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 such a such a mainstream. It was everything, you know, and everybody had their guy that they wanted to support.
2: No, that's true. The 1980s was probably boxing's best decade ever. Maybe uh, I talked to the great Gil Clancy, who of course was a great broadcaster and a mentor to me and a great trainer. I asked him one one morning we were having breakfast. It was before one of the big fights with the Four Kings. I said, "You know, is is what I'm experiencing here in here." truly great or is it just because i'm here for it and i think it's better than maybe it is he said no this is i've experienced many decades before this in boxing and it's nothing can touch this and so the 80s were extraordinarily special and a lot of that was because some of that anyway was because of these four men uh and what they and what they did and the interesting thing about it is You have to think about this, right? So, yes, boxing was less of a niche sport. It was more of a mainstream sport during that time. And without any social media, right, without certain tools uh, that we now think of as, as mandatory for things to become big, any event involving these four men with each other or many times with others as well was something you stopped what you were doing for uh you 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 wanted to see it you wanted to dig into it and um uh, and be a a part of it is uh is there anything um
1: over these last few weeks when the when there was a the passing of of Marvin hagler that you were glad to see like people got a chance to uh, i guess uh, re respect a life sometimes you know it's unfortunate that when people pass that's when we seem to remember their great memories but just what what were you happy to see in the way that he was remembered and And, and, uh, and honored in some of his, uh, you know, great stuff inside, outside the ring.
2: Yeah. You know, I think what made me most gratified, and I knew Marvin for, you know, very well, uh, back then, you know, it was a little different covering these fighters. You know, we'd see them, uh, there was a club in Vegas called botanies, uh, where you'd see Tommy Hearns and his group over here. You'd see Marvin Hagelin, his group over here. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Ray Leonard and his group over here in the club, and you 'd be socializing with them and it was a whole different kind of feel and so i 've known Marvin very well over the years and one of the things that made me feel really good during this period, even in the sadness of him passing, was that I believe for the most part uh everyone that covered his passing got it right you know they 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 they, they understood what he meant to the sport and how special he was. And uh, and I just think in general, that made me feel good because you want that to be, you know, to be the case. And I think in recent years, you know, Marvin Marvin uh, didn't always feel like he got his just due, uh, but I think in recent years he has.
1: So you're coming down here to Miami. Uh, this is a, a big-time uh, big event. And uh, it's been a uh, – Miami's kind of had this rebirth – because of the pandemic and because Florida's more open, it feels like every big boxing event is coming down here. So Floyd Mayweather is uh, is fighting Logan Paul, um, a huge, huge event. It's uh, it's 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 actually you know there's a bunch of fights on there. I'm actually looking forward to too. I'm, I'm bummed about the Pascal and Badu Jack fight not happening right. again, but uh, is what it is. I mean, I guess don't take a bunch of PDs. But I I was actually I yeah. just went I just went back and and uh, and watched. Mayweather versus McGregor and you seem like you were having a lot of fun on that card man like just broadcasting you you seem to really enjoy the spectacle of it all what are you expecting here not so much I guess in the fight because I think we all think Floyd's gonna win easily but what do you think this is going to be like Floyd against a guy who's not
2: a boxer I view I'm some people you know I obviously this isn't for everyone in the sense that there'll be boxing purists who will say, I don't like the idea of this. It's, it doesn't make sense to me, but you know what? I, as you rightfully pointed out, even in the McGregor thing, I mean, for me, I view these as one-offs. I view these as no different than when uh, Muhammad Ali fought the Japanese wrestler Aoki. Uh, You know, they're kind of one-off things that, for whatever reason, capture the public's imagination. Uh, and we live in a an age where a person can be famous for being famous. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Whatever you want to say about that, that's the era we live in. And the Pauls are perfect examples of that. Now, the interesting thing about them is, They love boxing. Mm -hmm. Being around them and the times I've been around them, and I have been around them several times, not just recently, but they love the sport of boxing. They make a supreme effort to do it. And they bring their own form of audaciousness uh, to to the endeavor. So along with Floyd Mayweather, just as it was true with McGregor, even though, of course, they were both accomplished combat sports veterans uh the 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 popularity that each man had and the constituency that they spoke to made it an event where you knew a lot of people were going to tune in and and buy the pay-per-view that's kind of what this is about because logan paul has his constituency floyd mayweather has his constituency and they will get together on it i i'm you know i try to have fun with the event uh you know, talk about it for what it is, uh, take a peek at the, the boxing part and, and, and try and help people understand what's going on there and, um, and enjoy it.
1: And, and Floyd's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, he's at a point in his career where, you know, you're not expecting him to go in there and fight the best of the best. Um, you know, he's kind of done all of the, the top boxing things there are and, and having everybody, you know, captivated to come, come watch him box. But, um, you know, like, do you do you expect, like, what are you expecting in a, in, a, in, a, in a thing like this where a guy's a lot bigger than him, but he doesn't have Floyd's skill set? Do you think you can take anything from the McGregor fight and thinking how Floyd's going to go about this? Or do you have, like, no idea what's going to happen? We're all kind of going to be surprised come Sunday.
2: Yeah, well, a little bit of both. In a way, anything can happen, uh, you know, uh, but... I think there are some lessons we can learn from the McGregor fight because early in that fight, McGregor had some success. And whether you believe that Mayweather allowed him to have success or he just happened to have some success, whatever it was, uh, I'm a firm believer that Floyd Mayweather understands this is a show. And I don't know. Yes, he is facing a much bigger man and all the rest of that. Whether he could create a knockout early, I don't even know. I don't expect that. I certainly expect there to be uh, uh, rounds involved here. I think Logan Paul is just going to attack. I know a lot of the people he's worked with in boxing, and they've talked about his efforts and what he's done. And and they say that he's improved dramatically over the course of time. Now, what does that mean against a person who used to be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and is what four or five years away from 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 actually being a competitor, uh, and and will probably train minimally for this fight. You know, train well, yes. We'll see. I mean, maybe, but he got the hat taken from him. Maybe he. Maybe, maybe, he maybe he's, he's got a new fire. Improve on his on his hat retrieval skills. <laughs> That's that may be a key element for him. Um, I don't know what it means. Um, we're going to find out though on uh, next this coming sunday and uh and to go along with as you pointed out we've got some other boxing matches we did have jean pascal and uh Bobby jack in a rematch of their light heavyweight fight which would have been terrific uh we've got a, a different fighter in there against jack who who will be very uh he's a good fighter and he'll, he'll give he'll give jack a good go uh and we've got um jay uh
1: Jared Hurd against uh, Luis Jared Hurd, uh, yeah. Arias. Yeah, thank
2: you. I forgot for a second. <laughs> no, it's all Jared good. Hurd returning against Jose Arias uh, in a, in a match that's kind of important because we want to see what Jared Hurd is all about. So there'll be some, you know, traditional boxing matches on it on the card, and uh, we couldn't live, of course, without Ocho Cinco making. <laughs> that's appearance. right, Sweet Feet. Yep. Um, He's-
1: He's, you know, uh, making, without
2: a, how could we have this card without a wide receiver? That's not possible. I've
1: actually seen the guy that he's fought. I saw him at a bare knuckle fight down here. Uh, he lost to, a, he actually lost to a buddy of mine, but I was like, man, he's really doing this. Ocho Cinco is <laughs> stepping in the ring. I can't believe it. I can't, That's
2: I can't. wild. So you've got a little, you got a little personal history with this.
1: Uh, it's just, I, no, I, I don't actually know. Like, Chad, Chad's from down here, but so like everybody's going to be intrigued, I think, watching him. He is beloved down here. Uh, from sure. Liberty City but I, I was curious who they were going to bat. I'm like is he going to fight another athlete and then uh, it ended up being some guy who has some bare knuckle experience uh, not great bare knuckle experience but I no. saw I saw that I was like oh I've I looked up his uh, his like you know whatever his record. I was like, I actually remember seeing this guy fight at the 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 Fort Lauderdale Convention Center. So you're you're prepared. Yeah, sure. For what I'm, I'm prepared for anything this week. I don't know what it's going to be. I because yeah. I was there. Uh, I was there for the 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 whole hat. I was I was four feet away from uh, from Mayweather when the hat got taken and all hell broke loose and his SWAT team. You were team, right there,
2: Darigol. Oh like my God,
1: yeah, man. It was it was and he was heated. I you know I think. He was. He, I mean, unless Floyd's the, the greatest thespian of our time, he did not seem pleased. And uh, you know, I think it probably sold a lot of a, a lot of people that, on buying yeah, the fight. Yeah, that's
2: probably a perfect example of the goofiness uh, and the audaciousness that these guys have. They have a sense of comic timing, if you will. Yeah, and they have a sense of of what will go viral or what won't it, uh, it's a unique skill. I'm not, you know, it's, it's probably not the same as being a good neurosurgeon. Okay. I'll grant you that, but it's a skill and it's uh, it's fascinating. And, uh, uh, and, and he used it in that instance to, to create, to do something weird and audacious that nobody thought he would do.
1: Uh, if I could just get a couple, um, outside of this card, uh, just because, sure. uh, I, you know, it's just an honor to talk to you. Um, Manny Pacquiao returning, at 42 years old, to fight Errol Spence, uh, uh, you know Errol's tremendous. I, I I got to go see his fight against Mikey Garcia in person, um, but I mean, you know, the idea that Manny's taking on a guy who's as good as him at his age—Are you shocked by it? Uh, do you? And what do you think a win of this match, like if he gets a win at his age against a guy like Errol Spence, what do you think that's going to mean for his legacy? If it could get well, any better, you know,
2: the Manny Pacquiao legacy is, you know. He became a Hall of Famer back in the early two thousands when he was fighting at the lower weight classes. And he and Marco Antonio Barrera, uh Juan Manuel Marcos, and Eric Morales created their own version of the Four Kings. Yeah. And let me tell you, they were all great Hall of Fame fighters and they created a better body of work than the real Four Kings did. The actual fights that they had, every one of them was a war everyone was fantastic so that cemented his hall of fame legacy then he moved forward and did all these other things in in the in the intervening years but a win over earl spence would be i think so uh dramatic for manny pacquiao that it would forever cement his place as one of the all-time greats uh I don't know that he doesn't need to do that to be a, a, a Hall of Fame fighter and an all great, all-time great fighter, but this would take it to another level. And the fascinating thing about this, it does demonstrate Pacquiao's willingness, which he's had his whole career, to fight anybody. I mean, look, we've forgotten—you know—a year or so ago, he fought uh, over a little over, over that time, he fought Keith Thurman. Yeah who we all thought every, in boxing, everyone thought, wow, Manny Pacquiao is, at this age can't go near one of the bigger, tougher welterweights. Very close fight, but he beat Keith Thurman, which is staggering, you We're know? Uh, and so it, it is an intriguing match that he chose him. He's, he is 42. He has does have the layoff uh, to deal with, uh, but... Uh, One of the things that what I think might be surprising about this fight is one of the blueprints that Sean Porter showed uh, in his fight with uh, uh, Spence was the idea of boxing and punching, darting in and out, using a lot of movement, attacking and not attacking, and creating a a kind of a a very um, uh, awkward uh, attack mode. Manny Pacquiao is capable of doing that. Even at age 42, we've seen some evidence of that. So he could be a very interesting puzzle for Errol Spence to figure out. Errol Spence is obviously a fantastic fighter, uh, and they will combine for a match that will be of great interest to everybody.
1: Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, go, guys. Uh, it's he's yeah, Alberts has got a, himself a busy week. He's coming down to South Florida. Join Miami while you're down here. By the way, uh it's uh the city's going to be fired up for this, I think. We we like we're an event town now. We do it doesn't yeah. matter what, you know, if it's the place to be, Miami will be there. So you got I agree.
2: I I agree. I think there's probably this is probably the perfect place for for an interesting event like yes. this, because, you know, you guys, you guys embrace the interesting and yep. that's, you know, that's the, and, and we'll see, you know, how it turns out, but uh, I, I think that's good. And I have not been to Domino, Miami for a little while. So uh, it's a pleasure for me to come and visit your city.
1: Yeah. So uh, check out June 6th, a Sunday fight. So uh, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather live on paper. But before that you got the Kings, the first of four part of their documentary, Highland, Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, and Ray Leonard. That goes on at 8 o'clock on Showtime. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it.
2: Good to be with you.
1: Thanks again to Al for the time. Really, really appreciate him, uh, him joining the show. When we come back, we'll shift over to a little bit of UFC. we got a big pay-per-view card coming up next week, UFC 263+. plus. Last night we had South Florida's own Miguel Baeza in the octagon. We'll review his fight, plus Jarzino Rosenstrike, who trades out of American Top Team, getting himself a big-time win. We're back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket as we take you up uh, until 11 o'clock today. Why do I keep saying the time? I never do that. Three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. We roll on. We're going to switch over to UFC a little bit here as last night you had in the main event, UFC Las Vegas 28, Jarzinho Rosenstrike along with the show, taking on Augusto Stakai, a little heavyweight matchup. And uh, Biggie Boy, man, that's sooting on power, getting it done. Is he? Uh, he came through with another buzzer beater, uh, knockout, similar to what he had against Aleister Overeem. He gets uh, Josina Rosen, Josina Rosenstrike, gets against Sakai with a couple of left hooks, makes the big man uh, fall like a big old timber tree, and then uh, finishes it up with some ground strikes. Right as the uh, the buzzer is about to sound. A fantastic knockout for Jarzinho Rosenstrike, who needed, I think, that in a big, big way, with uh, with getting himself uh, back in the win column after that Cyril Gain fight. Good on him. He did not take much time off because that was uh, at the end of February, where he lost to Gain. And Gain really uh, took took the root of. They went five rounds, five minutes, but Gain went and, and took his wrestling and made that his path to victory. But uh, a good win for Jarzino to really get back into the fold. He solidifies himself there still right in the top five. I think it opens up a, a bevy of options for him. I think ideally, look, I, I, I don't think it's official yet with Derek Lewis. It will be soon. I'd imagine that he is going to be fighting Francis Ngannou. I don't think there's going to be some John Jones Hail Mary that comes forth. But I think, I, I mean... Ideally, that's the fight that you would want back if you are him is to is to go in there and get yourself a shot against Derek Lewis to uh you know to go and 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 fight Francis Ngannou. I don't know uh the perfect path for him right now as far as the next opponent is concerned. Possibly you look at a guy like Curtis Blades as uh something that could line up for him correctly, you know, ranked ahead of him. Uh Curtis Blades is uh is always kind of looked upon as that. That cream of the crop in the in the heavyweight division. You beat him, probably solidifying yourself as uh, as absolutely getting a title shot. The only problem that uh, Rosa Strike has right now is that the man who is the champion of the world absolutely obliterated him in a mere matter of seconds. Um, you know, but maybe a fight like Stebe. I don't know if Stebe is going to take any fight right now. That is not uh for the championship. That might be tough for him. I don't know if Volkov does a ton for him. You're fighting the guy who's just on top of you. It's possible that Jorginho might leap him after a performance like this anyway. Um, you know, and then I don't think you want to go back in there and fight Cyril Gain because have you sharpened up the the ground skills enough to where you feel like you could go get yourself a victory? I don't know. If I was him, I wouldn't want to fight Cyril Gain again unless it was for a piece of gold that was on the line. But everybody else, like you know, Curtis Blades has shown himself. Even though he's a tremendous wrestler, he has shown himself vulnerable to losing to the big knockout artists, like he did to Derek Lewis, like he did to Francis Ngannou on multiple occasions. That one could make a lot of sense for him, and I think would really uh, put people back in the mind that Jorginho is uh, is is title worthy. Good. Um, I think Stipe would obviously be the gold mine if he couldn't get to Derek Lewis. But I, I think one thing that would be good for him is if Derek does become champion, uh, some way, somehow, maybe um, that puts him into the uh, that puts him back into the uh, the title conversation. Because if you're top five, you definitely could be in the conversation. But uh, a really good performance by him, and uh, one that was uh, I think really necessary for him as well. He also had Marcin Tybura get himself a TKO over Walt Harris. Walt Harris. Started off hot again. Uh, this was uh, one of those fights where he came out like wildfire early on in this, um, but kind of just wilted. Like it, you know, it was a bit of a tweener of whether or not he should probably go for broke or not, and this one ends up uh, being a tough one for him as now he has suffered three straight losses, three straight finish losses, and uh, probably back to the drawing board for the big ticket. As far as Marcin is concerned, it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the rankings from here because he's 11th. He has a five fight win streak. Now, Um, you know, you certainly think he's going to jump Sakai He's going to jump Walt Harris. So you would probably uh, see him. I wouldn't even think it's out of the question that he's within the top seven after something like that to, to have that kind of a win streak going. And, Uh, He's definitely vaulting the two guys at 8 and 9 who are there above him. He's for sure going to be solidified in that top 10. But a really good performance by him. So you have two bonuses there. And then the other fight was the fight of the night. So uh, it was basically all on this main card. Um, It was Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Miguel Baeza. Big fans of Miguel on this show. Obviously, we've had him in studio before. Davey local. Uh, really, really, really promising young prospect. You know, only 28 years old, so not even really in in uh, in that fighting prime quite yet, and doesn't have a lot of pro fights under his belt. Is this is only his 11th pro fight? Santiago, meanwhile, has over 30 fights in his career. So this was a big step up for him, man. Um, I would almost think that it was a if it wasn't for Santiago's layoff and, and all that type of stuff. Um, that he thought really affected him the last time he truly returned to the ring. Probably you, you saw him, I, I think in, in some ways, bite off a little bit more than he could chew, maybe a little bit too much too soon for Miguel. And I think part of the reason is, is that it looked like he looked like he had a perfect perfect game plan going in that first round for sure it looked absolutely incredible the way he was chopping down at the legs the way he was hit up the up the gut with the leg kicks um wish he would have let the hands go a little bit more i think that he uh he really let santiago dictate that with his jab uh getting inside because he has you know such a a a crisp boxing stance He, he he has the hands up a lot of fighters You'll notice a lot of uh, MMA fighters don't have their hands up in that boxing style at all times. He really does. So he keeps a good cognizant effort of 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 the defensive part of the game. But I, I think it was almost a little bit too conservative early. Uh, once he didn't pounce on um Santiago really found himself in a, in a comfort zone. I do think they got the scoring right. I know that he looked a little bit shocked at the end of it. I think that... Things were going really, really good for him. And they mentioned this on the broadcast. And, and, and I think they're pretty spot on that Miguel was going really, really good to like about halfway through the second round. And that's really where it flipped. And I do feel like, it, it did feel like Ponzinibbio put enough damage on him towards the towards the back half of that round that he deserved that round. And then I really, you know, I, I thought that round three, he looked good again in the early 90 seconds to two minutes of the round, but again the veteran took over and it felt like while they were swinging for the fences and they were having uh you, you shoot you showed a lot of you saw Miguel have a lot of heart, um, which I think made for it fun because maybe he was going to land something it, it it felt like he was missing a lot he looked very very tired um, which is understandable like they were throwing a ton of strikes in this fight but Ponzinibbio just looked like he was a little bit more weathered to be in that kind of a war, just a guy, a grizzled vet. Like, he looked like the grizzled vet, and it kind of looked like Miguel's first uh, first dancing, uh, first time taking the master class, you know? So, I, you know, people were saying, oh, is this a fight of the year candidate? Is this, uh I don't think, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was that much of a classic, but I thought it was very, very good. Certainly deserved fight of the night, and so you get the extra 50K, even though it comes in a loss. And I think that I think Miguel is going to uh, is going to be able to take something like this because he didn't fall, he didn't get knocked the bleep out. Um, but I do think that he learned some good lessons in this fight for sure, and and I think that it's going to uh, enable him to become a much better fighter. So uh, we'll see what happens with a uh, Caramel Thunder, Davy Zone, and uh, you know, shout out to Santiago who trains down here as well and getting himself the win. He looked great. Next week we have UFC two sixty three. Which is coming to you from Arizona. This is going to be headlined by Israel Adesanya. Taking on Marvin Vittori for the middleweight championship of the world. This of course is Izzy's first dive into uh, the cage since losing his bid to become the light heavyweight champion of the world. And so the big question is, well, will this be a a matter of Marvin being able to get to, uh, get to Izzy, get to take him down? Will he be able to put forth even more so. And it's actually funny enough that this was uh, a fight that was in Arizona the last time these two fought way back in 2018. But Marvin, who has been riding a, uh, what are we talking about? One, two, three, five fight win streak since that loss to uh, to Izzy. Will he be able to, uh, to come through with something here? Uh, the one thing I'll say with Izzy that's always been very, very impressive with him is that, it feels like a lot of the times he can seesaw from pedestrian performance because I think we go into these fights with such high expectations of Izzy. Uh, you know, it's funny having the John Jones parallel because of how much those guys hate each other and jaw each other. But John has some of this, too, where, you know, you have a performance, man, it's a little lackluster than the next one. He does something spectacular. Izzy's been a little bit like that too, where it's been like you know you have the Anderson Silva fight, then you have one of the greatest fights you've ever seen in Kelvin. Uh, he did back that up with a Robert Whittaker knockout that was absolutely sensational. Then you had the Yoel fight, which was kind of a stinker, a weird fight, and then you had the Paolo Costa fight, which was uh, obviously one of his uh, masterpieces. Then you have the Jan Blachowicz fight, not to the 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 best of uh, of his a uh, of his abilities, and so he has a good propensity to take performances that maybe aren't up to the level we expect and come through and do something even bigger and better the next time. I think that he, he is a a very going to be very confident. I don't think this is going to be one where he's going to, uh, you know, I I don't know. I think this is one of those ones where I I don't know how well it serves Marvin that he's been in there with him and that he's had some success in the cage with him. I still thought that uh, Izzy got that fight. I thought he deserved to win that fight. And, uh, you know, I just don't know if if that's going to be enough over five rounds where he's going to be able to uh, to take him down and, and make Izzy wilt. So I'm still going to go with Adesanya to uh, retain his championship and uh, and come forth with a what I think is probably I think it's going to be something pretty sensational. Uh, David Higojedo versus Brendan Moreno for the Flyweight Championship. This is obviously a rematch of their absolute classic, which uh, ended in a majority draw mostly because Davidson uh, had the point deduction for the groin strike in this fight, which then caused uh, two of the cards to flip and, and, uh, and be even. So he is uh, getting a chance to fight Brandon again. Uh, Davidson has looked like an absolute monstrous champ, but Brandon uh, really didn't look intimidated by him at all. He really, really brought the fight, but it did feel like he kind of came shot out of a cannon. it did look like as the fight was going on, it was starting to swing back the champ's way. You wonder if that if he has that uh, that uh, that ability to go in there again with how he's been. I mean, this is a guy who you know fought on a few days' notice. He, he's been a bit of a crazy person. He was almost like the star of the pandemic year with his wins over Joseph Benavides, although one of them was missing weight. Um, he's come forth with some really really impressive stuff. He can come with guillotine chokes and rear naked chokes out of nowhere he could strike he could kind of do it all uh and he feels like something really really special in the making so i think that brandon had his opportunity almost like the idea that you know they both fought on that uh that idea where they were defending the belt it was crazy circumstances of fighting what was that on a few weeks notice you now give them actual rest all the way back to december um i like davidson in this i think this is going to be a double champ uh defense night on UFC 263 and the one I'm actually excited about the most believe it or not even though I do think this is a very good card and those are real. those are two really really fun rematch championship fights because they were both very very close um and they were somewhat controversial you know that in in that but I do think that and as he mentioned this in the broadcast I do feel like he's kind of skyrocketed we do this uh this figurehead versus Moreno is so fresh in our minds But the one I'm actually uh, interested in the most in a lot of ways is going to be Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Leon gets a, a little bit of a chance at redemption here. And what I mean by that is he gets the opportunity to put forth a performance that really solidifies him as a contender. You know, he has been talking a big game and he's been talking up and down about how You know, he's the best guy. Even Kamara has given him his respect and has said that he's deserved a title shot. But, you know, the pandemic kind of screwed him. He wasn't able to do that. And then the way that his fight with Bilal Muhammad ended with the eye poke. Very, very unfortunate for him. And he didn't want to fight Bilal. Now, Bilal is on this card. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a storyline. He's fighting actually in the fight beforehand against Damian Maya. But Leon has a great, great opportunity here to put forth a, a good performance against Nate Diaz. And I imagine the crowd's going to go crazy for Nate. It's going to be a lot of adrenaline. Now, remember, this was supposed to take place uh, in the last pay-per-view. Uh, Diaz it got kicked back one, but it is going to be a five-round fight, which is uh, which is really, really cool because it felt like over three, maybe you uh, would go and lean towards Leon early. Um figuring that he's going to start fast and, and, and could put probably put a couple rounds in his pocket. But then you put in that five-round factor with Nate Diaz and the cardio that he has and the zombie-like um, tenacity that he has. Uh, obviously, he's got a propensity to get cut. That happens basically in every one of his fights. But Leon has the opportunity here to really uh, put forth something that makes you feel like, okay, this guy, he's a ride. If Nate, But I tell you this, if Nate wins this fight... um there's there's there there's probably a good uh there's going to be some talks about whether or not he should go and get himself a title shot against Kamaru Usman and and I think that Kamaru is in a bit of a spot where he can call his shot. He was intrigued by the Nick Diaz thing. Um been called out by Jake Paul. Like Kamaru has been he's put himself at a status right now where he can do a little bit of I think what he wants next. Now Will that end up being the Colby fight next? Maybe, you know. Maybe it will be. You know, Colby's kind of just sat here idly by. But then, I think if you're Leon, you're probably looking at and saying, "Hey, like, aren't I the guy?" And he's beating them both. And Colby, he's broke his jaw, and Leon was only a decision. So there's going to be that. But if Nate ends up being on top uh, out of this, out of this, uh, this matchup, you know, maybe Kamaro says like, that's the one I want. No one. It's one of those things, it, it, it goes to the idea of uh, kind of, it goes to what I was talking about with the uh, the Dustin versus Connor thing. Like, no one's ever going to be mad if Connor's in a title fight, even if you don't think he deserves it. I think same thing with Nate Diaz. Like, no one's really going to be mad if Nate Diaz is in a title fight, even if he doesn't quite deserve it. So, uh, looking forward to it. I am going to pick Leon to get the win. Um, I just think it's, it's so make or break for him. And, uh, and, and, and he has been so jonesing to get a big performance. It's uh it's, it's very desperation with Nate. You know, it's tough to never feel like he, he he's ever desperate in any fight because, you know, everybody loves him. And then even if he loses, he could just go and, and, and call conspiracy on something, but I'm going to go with Leon. So that's uh, a picks looking forward to the card next week, everybody, and looking forward to reacting to it with you guys. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.